Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of the Adventure Jogger podcast brought to you by Kurt Chambers, Carolyn Troop, Dave Pond, William Summer, Mark, Big Granddaddy Bowman, all of our Patreon supporters, and you, of course, you the listener. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Welcome, everyone, to The Adventure Jogger. I just want to let everybody know that Jeff Stafford was, in fact, supposed to be on this episode of The Adventure Jogger. Uh, We had a little issue in the house. Uh, We had a family member come down with COVID, so we had to quarantine last week when we were supposed to record this, and when we rescheduled, well, Jeff is on his way to twat, and we're going to be talking to him about that when he gets back. So just hang in there, everybody. We'll have Stafford on once he gets back and survives twat, and he'll share a story or two, I'm sure. I do want to remind everybody to make sure you join us for the Grind on the Grid Backyard Ultra, April 15th, Vetersburg, Indiana. It's on Ultra Sign Up. It is a backyard format. Every hour on the hour, 4.1 something miles till the last person is standing. The Grind on the Grid Backyard Ultra, Vetersburg, Indiana, April 15th till whenever there's just one person left. So uh, the Adventure Jogger will be out there and we hope to see you out there. My guest on this episode of the Adventure Jogger, Tara Pruitt. She does so much. She is a personal trainer. She is a running coach. She's an ultra runner. She's putting on the Trail Running Film Festival in Asheville. By the way, you can get your tickets for that via Ultra Sign Up. That's coming up March 15th. We talk more about that. What got her into running? Um, just a fascinating story. And honestly, um, her path to running is unlike anything I've ever heard. She found running a little earlier um, than most. A lot of great knowledge dropped. A great conversation with Tara Pruitt on this episode of The Adventure Jogger. Tara, how the heck are you? I am great. Doing awesome. You're a very busy person. As I was looking through all the things that you do, you are not a person that has a whole lot of time to sit around on your phone and do nothing. Like you don't have to, I, I'm guessing Tara Pruitt as a business owner, as a personal trainer, 
as an ultra runner, as someone who's now taken on putting on a film festival, you don't sit down. This might be the most you've sat down in a while. Well, especially today, yes, <laughs> for certain. <laughs> <laughs> let's kind of let's unpack a lot of this. First, I want to talk about you know all those things that I mentioned. Accurate. How the heck did you get wrapped into putting on a trail running film festival in Asheville? Yes. So the trail running film festival has come here a few years before the shutdown Mm -hmm. and it was always my favorite as a trail runner myself and and a hiker and a backpacker. I found a lot of enjoyment out of watching this, the, this specific film series. Mm -hmm. And when in December, so they used to travel on their own, like in their, like to the towns on their own. Yeah. And this year they, after the shutdown, they're like, we can't do this like this anymore. We have to find another way. And they wanted to reach more people. So they reached out, I'm guessing to the cities that they had already been to their email list mm-hmm. and said, we're looking for hosts. Does anybody want to apply to be a host? And I was like, eh, why not? They're not going to pick me. They're going to want to pick like, you know, a running community or a store or something that's not just a personal trainer, a strength training coach. I'm also a running coach. So I was like, they're not going to pick me. And Matthias interviewed me via Zoom and he was like, okay, it's yours. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> so doing this. Yeah, it's always a kiss of death when you say, no, they're not going to pick me. That's almost like you're putting into the universe that, yes, in fact, they are going to pick you. Yeah, I was like, my husband came home that night and, he, and I was like, well, I did a thing and guess what we're doing? So because he's he's also my supposed co-host and has initiated a lot of the connections as well in town to make this happen. So I was like, guess what? Guess what our project is for the next few months. So did you have to find a venue to put this on? Yes, we did. In fact, the um, venue that we are at is called the Orange Peel of Asheville. It is actually a very popular music venue Mm -hmm. uh, that like the Rolling Stones have been there and Oh, Rolling Stone magazine. It's been featured in Rolling Stone magazine. Smashing Pumpkins have done shows. I mean, it's like if you look up their lineup, we are smashed between two uh, metal bands. (laughs) 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 And so there's there. It's it's actually pretty cool. And today I visited the Orange Peel to kind of check out the venue. They've grown and they've changed some things just to see, uh, get a visual of how the setup's going to go for the film festival. And they are so excited to have us. I'm I'm so grateful that we get to be downtown Asheville next to some happening venues and restaurants and be included in this epic venue downtown that has a long, long history of lots of things that like it used to be a roller skating rink at one point. Wow. From a skating rink? to metal bands, to Tara Pruitt and her trail running film festival. I feel like it's a gift, right? There's a, <laughs> there's a purpose there. There's a reason it's supposed to be. I wonder if they still have cans of the uh, disinfectant that they use for the return on the roller skates. The spray. Right, right. The spray that I'm sure gave us all cancer at some point. We're all oh, going to yeah, get yeah. that from, from the, the spray that they would stick in those shoes. So March 15th, the Orange Peel, Asheville, North Carolina. 
which is one of the coolest towns in the South. I've always kind of thought um, when I've when I've driven through Asheville and I've stayed in Asheville, the vibe I've always gotten from Asheville is kind of a hillbilly San Francisco is the way I've described <laughs> it to, to friends. And I say that in the absolute nicest way. That is a compliment yeah. to Asheville. Yeah. Is, would you consider yeah. that accurate? Uh, very accurate. Yes. Small, small town yeah. vibe, big city. Amenities. Yes. Small town vibe, big city amenities. Yes. 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 Very charming yeah. town. Um, what are some of the the films? Have you got to, to see the ones that they're putting in there already? Not yet. We The hosts get the lineup in the next week, and we'll be sharing teasers of each film. They are all independent films that mm-hmm. have been submitted to the trail running film director and so they are finalizing some of the film director or some of the film creators are putting their final touches so we should see some sneak peeks coming up in the next week or two that we can start to share that's really cool because i think especially with technology where it's at now i mean god have you seen those those gopro cameras now have a little thing where it removes the stick from the from the video that's really cool yeah I haven't seen that part. I have a GoPro and I love using it. I haven't seen that aspect yet. Yeah, there's some there's something. I I know that uh, Kornhauser uses it all the time, and uh, you see videos where it looks like people are holding a stick, but there's nothing in their hand because there's a there's a piece of software or something that removes the stick from your hand. All I can think of is a hundred years from now, people are going to be watching videos on YouTube uh, of people trail running, going like, "Why does no one's hand like?" One hand moves, but the other one doesn't. What is the what is the problem with these runners? We're, right, only one hand moves during the the. They're all going to think that's that's how we ran back in the day, which is one hand moving. Our right, right, exactly. Yeah. exactly. But it's so cool with that technology. It's really become easier to to share stories from the ultra community in a visual space because you can do so much. You, you get a you get a MacBook and a GoPro camera. You can do so much to create something very cool, very unique, share your story. And it's a really cool way to kind of to, to, to just enjoy the community in a very interesting way. I'm excited to see the lineup and the stories that will be told and shared of the of the variety of athletes from around what I've been told around the world and just hearing it's inspiring to hear someone's story and that we all have a story. It's inspiring mm-hmm. to hear someone's story and the journey they've had to come and how running became involved, whether running pulled them through their journey or the obstacles that they faced or right. running let, you know, something led them to running because of their journey. It's just, it's really neat to see, you know, the scenery, of course, we all love the scenery, but to absolutely be inspired by someone's journey throughout their discovering themselves via running and it's it's to me that's what i'm look i look forward to the most other than connecting with people in our community again yeah the 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 scenery is the gravy but it's the it's the story that how someone came to the sport which is Mm -hmm. so often way more often than not the best part of the story because for whatever reason this sport of trail and ultra running attracts people in very interesting and unique ways. It's not a sport that you just kind of stumble upon going to the rec center. Like, you know, like, yeah. I don't know if I, 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 I've never listened to a pickleball podcast, so I'm not slamming pickleball. But I don't know if, you know, the pickleball podcast hosted by somebody 
has the stories that ultra running and trail running podcasts have of what brought people to the sport. I, I don't know if it, I don't, I don't think it would match up. Nothing against pickleball. No, and, and you know, it wouldn't be as interesting to hear someone shit their pants from a pickleball thing. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's going to come from a trail running story. <laughs> right. That may happen if you've got already some bowel control issues before yeah. you get into pickleball, yeah. right? Like, oh, you overexerted yourself. <laughs> oh, when you hit the ball. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not going to be as interesting. I was diving for a ball and I shit my pants. Like that is not, <laughs> that's just not going to be the same. Right. You're you're right. You're absolutely right, Tara. So I'm excited about the, the film festival. That's really, really cool. Where can people get tickets to this party? Yeah. So they're on the, they're on ultra sign up. And they're also on the orangepeel.net. And they are also on the trail film festival, trailfilmfest.com. Okay. So there's three places to get good stuff. Tickets, but ultra sign up's the easiest way to look for the link to get the tickets. Right. Yeah. Trail we'll have, And the cool thing about this is each city is kind of deciding how they want the flow of the films to go as far as their their um, sponsors are going. Each of us have to look for our own sponsors. Each of us have to, each of us decide how we want the intermission to go. Um, and of course, like you said, the venue, having to reach out and, and find a venue or, or a place to be able to host this. So it's been, it'll be unique to see how each city does it a little bit differently. But we in Asheville, we are going to, my main focus is trying to get our trail runners to give back in some way and in that realm, in the realm of volunteering. So I'll be talking a lot about giving back to volunteer, whether it's trail maintenance Mm -hmm. or at a volunteering at a race, you know, I I feel like that's a very rewarding place as a trail runner is to give back and volunteer at a race or take over an aid station or crew someone or pay someone and then the other option is is that I'll be talking about is uh, search and rescue. It's another yeah. realm that we kind of don't think about. Um, and those people, you know, they volunteer all their training hours, all their call out hours. They buy all their own gear, and they spend they spend way more time working on their skills than they do actually getting called out. And I think that's a great aspect for trail runners to kind of think about. As much as we love being out there, it's another way to give back. Oh, absolutely. I agree 100%. I think especially if someone hasn't volunteered at a race, it is so much fun. I don't know if I want to do trail maintenance because you don't want to get me anywhere near a chainsaw. And that just that's a recipe for a life flight, uh, flight for life. That's what that is, uh, getting me near a chainsaw. But, but volunteer- I would say they have not given me the chainsaw yet. <laughs> well, because they're a little worried. You know, only certain people could use a chainsaw. Uh, they're not just giving axes and chainsaws to everybody. <laughs> so I no, like there is something cool about learning how to put the steps on the trail mm-hmm. or learning how to divert water drainage and knowing why. And when you run on a trail is, you know, if you run on the same trail for say a couple of years, you have to notice the erosion just from the weather, but on top of the overuse. And then if it's a popular trail that everybody goes to when they come to your area, it gets even more overuse. And so it's just neat to kind of see the pieces of that come together and that it takes multiple days of work and uh, multiple people to make that happen. And we we try to repurpose what we see in the vicinity as much as we can. Right. Before we start building things to add to the trail. So it's kind of, it's, it's a whole nother mindset and aspect of giving back. So 
I think that's important for all of us to kind of be remembered that when you run on those steps or you run on the trail or when you, you know, head, head even just to your local park somewhere that there's a lot of people putting in a lot of volunteer work to make that area stay open instead of decommissioned or a park being closed down. Right. Jesus may or may not have taken the wheel. We don't know. But we know he hasn't made trails. He did. He was not the one who just <laughs> popped those there. Those are the hands of volunteers putting those trails in, maintaining those trails. Um, if you are uh, adverse to sharp tools and hard work, um, volunteering for an aid station is always fun because where, I mean, you get to help people achieve their goals. You're refilling water bottles. You're making sandwiches. I always like the aid stations where they do allow you to drink because you can kind of ride that buzz the entire time. You're, you're helping people fill the back. Like you don't want to. There's this line where you just kind of exist. This nice little buzz that you maintain all day. Uh, but you don't want to go too far in because you don't want to be throwing up on people or you're not being able to fill their bottles. But that's a great experience worth worth doing. Absolutely. And the cool thing is then you're just in this permanent happy state for no matter who comes through that aid station. They're always going to see you smiling and having a good time. And who knows? I, I mean, my favorite aid station was always to have a beer, a piece of watermelon, a pickle, some chips, and then a, fu- uh, a shot of fireball. So, I mean... <laughs> You, 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 there's, there's, you're going to finish a race by people handing you all those things in, in, in an aid station. It's just going to have to happen. It's always a win. It's always a win. So please volunteer. Please go to the film festival. Check it out. Ultrasignup.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, Tara, we were talking moments ago about people's stories. And um, we're going to get some bad reviews because of slamming pickleball. Again, I wasn't slamming pickleball. I was just making an assumption. Um, But what was your story? What brought you into the incredible world of trail and ultra running. Yeah, so I started running at an early age, mostly to like handle childhood. And I was using it for the wrong reasons. And Okay, pause. Hang on. Hang on. Well, we can't. Sorry, <laughs> you dangled that out into the universe. Yeah. We can't just yeah. pass that. Not a, It's not a normal thing. <laughs> no, running for the wrong reasons. When you say that, yeah. what do you mean by running for the wrong reasons yeah so it was a tough childhood and i kind of would i would leave and pretend like i was running away Mm -hmm. and i realized that running made me feel clear-headed at at a really young age and i didn't put the pieces together then yeah but it was like i'd come home clear-headed and be ready to tackle whatever was what i whatever i was being faced with and so I was like, huh, this felt good. Getting outside, going for a run, coming home, feeling energized. And so I I kind of kept doing that throughout middle school and high school. I didn't play sports. I wasn't very good at sports. Mm-hmm. So um, I didn't necessarily get into any of that. I dabbled in some gymnastics, but it wasn't necessarily, I'm not good at, I was never good at it. And I running just always seemed to be okay go to class go for a run okay now i can focus or go 
you know, go for a run, come home, I could get my homework done. And it just made it, I started realizing that running was a huge piece of just bringing some calmness and pride and confidence and being able to focus on life. And probably at the time, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was more like a one of those things that you're like, okay, this is doing something, but I'm not mature enough to figure out the pieces and put the puzzles together. And eventually it, I kind of moved away from that and started getting into the gym atmosphere um, at a very early age at 16. What's so interesting about that, Tara, is you're not the first person that I've talked to that has talked about, you know, finding running for peace in clarity and using running as as a coping mechanism for whatever you are the first person to tell me that you've you that you discovered that in childhood a lot of us will find this the the you know the the ups and downs of adulthood you know living in a stressful world of a job and relationships and kids and all that and we find that running brings us the calm to handle all of those things but for you to find that at such an early age that that brought you clarity and peace and the ability to um, to work through a tough childhood. I won't make you go into details on that, but that's you're the first person that like child that like you found that in childhood. I made the connection that movement was healing. And I knew that movement had to be a, a big part of my life mm-hmm. for the rest of my life. And I didn't have a lot of access to like therapy or, the option to talk to the school counselor or and those are great, great ways to handle, you know, or learn coping mechanisms. And I just knew that getting outside was one of the pieces of that that made me feel like, okay, I can do this. Okay, I got this. And so luckily it didn't turn to like this, uh, uh, go the wrong way to more of an, um, an unhealthy approach or an addictive approach. It really did it really did create a balance instead of an obsession. And so I'm grateful for that. Like it, it could have gone totally the wrong way or could have turned into more of a kind of falling into like an eating disorder or things like that. Cause so many people do struggle with that from an exercise, you know, balancing the exercise piece. So you find group fitness at 16, you're 16 years old. Most 16 year olds are like, I want a car. I want a job. And I want to, you know, sneak a beer every once in a while and go see a movie. What made you at 16 decide that you wanted to start teaching group fitness? Well, let's be clear. I did all of those things <laughs> already. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. All 16, every 16 year old has wants to do those things. Right. And I went to the, uh, was in boarding school. I went to boarding school mm-hmm. here in Asheville. That's a, uh, this kind of has always been my home and i went to my the my first class at a y and during my summer break and i was like that was the hardest thing i've ever done that was awful i hated it now can i go back and try it again and i wanted to get better at it i was in the back of the class dying huffing and puffing it was a step class on box steps which is that just shows my age <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yeah, and I, I hated it, and I, but I loved the challenge. And I was like, okay, maybe this is a whole nother realm of exercise that I didn't realize was out there. Mm-hmm. And 
took a couple more classes through the summer. Oh, I won that membership on a radio uh, contest. Wait a minute. A, you were my- caller nine and you won a, you won a <laughs> gym membership? <laughs> yeah. I won a three-month summer membership at the Y for, uh, yeah, for listening to the radio. So they, they used to, I don't know what they give away nowadays, but. Uh, sometimes gym memberships. Um, just a real quick, this is inside for everybody because I do work in the world of radio. Um, back in the day, people did this way more. But when you call a radio station and request a song, um, they're either it's either coming up already or whatever. So they don't just plop that in for you. Oh, yeah, 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 that's coming up. Because most people, re- there's two requests that you get at a radio station. You either get a request of a song that's coming up very soon or a song you would never in a million years play. So so just know that they're not stopping everything going, oh, hey, so-and-so from Athens called. We got to get this song in here. So just giving you that. Go, go find that tape. <laughs> that's awesome you were caller number nine and they gave yeah. you a gym membership and it and it changed your life that's so cool it did i knew after after i stopped feeling like i was gonna die mm-hmm. i knew i wanted to teach that one day and i i i didn't tell anybody for a long time but i was i was like secretly hooked and graduated high school went to college came back home and was taking classes through college and running off and on through college but again never really professional or athlete or any good at any of it i just knew i enjoyed being out there and then i met my husband and we had us we had our son and i started running again and taught um started teaching at the local gym and after my son was born and I've just been hooked ever since I knew that I wanted to be in the health and wellness or the fitness realm, but I didn't like, I didn't like how it was, um, I guess being, I felt like I had to conform to a certain, certain way in order to either get the job or get the position or I, I felt like I had to look a certain way. I felt like I had to be a certain way. I had to talk a certain way. And, I've I've spent my career fighting the norm so that I could reach the people that I wanted to reach and influence them the way that health and wellness and fitness doesn't normally influence people. Let's let's unpack that for a minute because this is just audio. And so I'm sure everybody assumes that I look, you know, like Brad Pitt or, or Bradley Cooper. Um, well, <laughs> I get confused with that guy all the time. Um, but but no, and so nobody really knows. They're just hearing these these voices in their in their head, which makes it sound crazy. But um, what do you what do you mean by that? Like you didn't feel like like the 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 health and wellness space was a space for you that you had to change yourself. You had to con- do some certain things to conform to the community. What do, what do you what do you mean by that? Well, even in even in the health and wellness field, there's this persona of looking a certain way mm-hmm. or, you know, being a certain size or, um, you know, wearing certain clothing or talking, teaching a certain way. Yeah. So that, it, you know, from like I got turned down by a job because I didn't look the part and I wanted to change that. Why does yeah. someone have to look like a supermodel to teach a group fitness class. And so I, I kind of, I fought that battle for a while. Why does, 
why can't I look like the everyday person? Because that's who ultimately we are servicing and who needs the inspiration and who needs to feel seen and heard and needs the extra guidance to tackle the everyday battles that every person is trying to do with nutrition and exercise. And so my my main mission became early on, even though I didn't know it, yeah. was to break the societal norm of what this all needs to look like from a, in the health and wellness realm. That's so interesting because, you know, just knowing you now for 24 minutes um, and, and having this conversation and I'm looking at you through, you know, the power of Zoom, um, I would think that if I showed up to a health and fitness class and I saw you leading it, I'd be like, oh, this is going to be good. She's going to kick shit out of us because you have a, you have the look of this is not going to be jazzercise. This is going to be I'm going to whoop your ass. <laughs> well, that I hope that's true, but I also want it to be welcoming and inviting for all. Right, right. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and like I would um, pay more money to have you <laughs> leading the class because I would know that it wouldn't be like a okay little you know let's just let's, let's sweat to the oldies. I would know <laughs> that I would be sore when I'd let when I'd leave because it'd be hard. Yeah, um, I've never taken a jazzercise class, but um, <laughs> this girl can't dance at all. So it's, it's not happening. You didn't do Zumba? <laughs> didn't do Zumba either. And I get taught, uh, I get begged to come to dance classes all the time. And I'm like, that ain't happening. If you want me to teach a hit class or a strength class or, you know, s something in the terms of, like you said, kind of hard and badass, then that's my realm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dancing and yoga, not my things. Not happening. <laughs> my wife did Zumba for a while and she talked me into coming to a Zumba class and I was thrown out because they said, sir, your hips, in fact, do lie. They're, 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 <laughs> so please, I need, we need you to leave. <laughs> Those hips are compulsive liars. Get out. Um, <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, they would be like, where's your booty? Like you don't have a, you can't shake. You don't have anything to shake. That's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> so and, you, and my arms don't go anywhere. Like I, t I talk with my hands, but when, when I dance, I'm like, my feet do all the work and my arms look like they're just flailing around. Like, <laughs> I don't know, like one of those blow up things, you know, that noodle man. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. You look like noodle man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah. So how did you approach creating an inviting space for everybody in the fitness world? Like what steps did you take to be like, okay, I want people of all shapes and sizes of all abilities to be able to feel like they can come here and learn and sweat and work. Well, you know, a lot of that comes from my own journey and overcoming a lot of my own demons and making sure that, you know, when we experience life, we, we learn how we want to give back mm -hmm. and we learn how we, how we would have liked to have felt in someone's presence. And I, am very hyper aware of how I want people to feel in my presence. I want them to feel that they can not only push themselves and and do things that they never thought were possible, but that it, it, it can be at their own pace. It doesn't have to be at the 50K level. It doesn't have to be at a 100-mile level. It doesn't have to be at, you know, 20 classes a week. It it can be at their own badass can look different at all phases of life, all right. ages of life, all abilities of life and, and finding what 
that looks like for each person is important for me to help them along that journey and figure that out for themselves. Very cool. So the fitness, somehow running's always been a part of your life. At some point though, you personally stumble upon the world of organized trail (laughs) and ultra running. How did that go down? Yeah, so I think it was 2014. I helped lead a run group Mm -hmm. uh, and we started training for the inaugural uh, marathon here in Asheville at the state. And so through that training, all of us, we'd been running roads. Now my motto is road running sucks. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I, but by the time I made it to the marathon, we did our last 20 mile run and I was like, I hate this. This is awful. I never want to do this again, but I'm going to show up and I'm going to make this. I like, I was determined to do my first marathon. So I did it. It was the coldest day with the coldest negative wind chill that we had had in Asheville in a long time. It was a record breaking day. And I vowed to never run again after that. So I finished. Um, and after that, I was like, never, never doing this again. I'm done with running. Well, that same year, my a friend of mine said, I'm going to run this local trail race that's popular. Will, do you want to train with me? And I was like, I've never been on the trails. I don't, I, I don't even know what to expect. I never knew what to expect. She takes me out on this first run on the trails on the, on the course, because it's a popular piece of town that people run on. And I called my husband and I was like, this is taking forever. I'm so slow. I don't know what I'm doing. I keep tripping. I didn't have any gear on me. I didn't dress properly. I twisted my ankle and I was like, this is just, this is dumb. I don't know what I thought I was doing out here. And then I got home and I I was riding that runner's high, playing out in the feet, in the trails, in the woods. And I was like, oh, I kind of liked that. that. It was miserable, but it was fun. So I continued to train with her and a couple of other people that were training for the same race. Come race day, well, I'd gotten into the race. It was a lottery. Come race day, it's the night before. It was Halloween and it snowed, our first snow. uh, And it snowed six inches down here at elevation. Like we were about 2,200. But at the top where the finish was, it was around a little over 5,000. So we were going to climb, you know, a little over 3,000 feet, and it was going to be more snow at the top. So where crew could go was shut down. The Blue Ridge Parkway was shut down. And so there's no crew access. The race route was redirected. So the finish line was actually another four miles added on, um, going downhill on a paved road. And so I was like, I don't know. This is my first trail race. I've never done this before. It was freezing and windy. And I knew that no matter what, I had to make it to at least the halfway point because that was the only uh, aid station or place where crew could meet you if you ended up having to drop because of weather conditions. And so I, my husband met me at the halfway point and I had, my hands were purely white. My lips were blue. I didn't have the right gear on and not enough food on me. It was just, you know, that newbie experience of like, what the heck am I doing? And I need to figure this out. And so he picked me up, took us in the minute the door closed to the car. I was angry. I was like, this is dumb. I should still be out there. I need, I need that. I hate, I didn't want to 
DNF, which I didn't know what that was at the time. And I was just angry for like 48 hours. It was just like fuming off of me. I couldn't let it go. And so the next weekend he says, I'm just going to take you and drop you off and I'll meet you at the finish. So it, I just, it was all I could obsess about for the whole week. So he took me and dropped me off at the beginning and met me at the halfway point, the only access he could get to me. And then met me at the very top where the two miles from the original finish line hiked in and gave me food and water. And then I finished the race, the, additional four miles that were added on from the week before at the actual race. And I was like, okay, I did it. And then I couldn't wait to figure out what was next. Was this the Mount Mitchell challenge? It's no, it was called shut in. It's called shut in. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. On the mountains to sea trail. Uh It has a really, really cool history of, it used to be the Vanderbilt's, hunting path to go to his lodge at mount pisgah which so that's a popular area to visit in the in there's the mount pisgah tower people usually climb it's like a mile and a half up um so the race ends in that parking lot and we couldn't get up to there because the weather and the parkway being closed so they had to divert the race down one of the access roads to where crew could pick people up is this still, is there still a paper entry for that race? Because I know for the longest time there was. There was. And, you know, I haven't applied in a couple of years. I'm pretty sure it's still a paper that you download it um, off their website, print it out and mail it in. With a and check. It is, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is lottery still. So you kind of have to like be in the community or in the know and they they might i was lucky i got picked that year i was like they don't know who i am there's no way i'll get picked and then i got picked you have a, you have a history you have a, you have a history of saying that you, you better stop yeah. saying that like oh there's no way they're going to pick me you yeah. can start saying that western states like get into all the big races going yeah. oh there's no way they're going to pick me for this there you go well that did happen with another race my 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 ultimate favorite race it it happened on that one too so i was like well I just need to say that more often now that I think about it. (laughs) (laughs) So I love that you had that moment of the newbie experience. You know, you didn't have the right gear. You didn't quite know what you were doing. You get halfway and you're like, I'm out. Take me home. And then you were so pissed off by that DNF that you're like, I'm doing this thing. It's the longest race finish ever for that race. But the fact you went out the next week and said, I'm going to do this on my own, that's a hell of a way to, to finish. Yeah. You, you know, I feel like runners or ultra running or trail running in general, you need a little bit of stubbornness about you. You need to, you, you have to find like this inner, what the hell, we're doing it. Right. In order, yeah. To, to, to finish some of these things or like beyond that point of doubt and, I wanted to see what it felt like to finish. And it was, it was, I was like, why can't I, even though it's not what everyone else did? Well, it ended up being the same route, but even though it wasn't during the race, it was still an, I guess, exciting feeling to be like, okay, I did it. I, I went out and did it and I can do hard things. I can challenge myself. I can do this by myself too. I think that was another piece of that was like, I can do this by myself. Why can't I get out there and do more of these types of adventures alone? It had to be empowering 
to just be able to, but there's no, cause there's no support that day. You did it. There's no other aid stations. There's no trail markings. There is nothing. This is just you against the failure from a week before. Yeah. And, and going out and tackling something that you initially didn't conquer builds this confidence and this inner desire to be like, all right, this is a, this is a great feeling. This I know I can tackle the next adventure. I know I can do a, a new place. I can, when we travel quite a bit. So I, I like to always know that I'm going to feel confident doing whatever trail I want to do when we travel and, and not fear what, what I'm about to conquer or what I'm about to face on that trail. And that it was just a new piece of that finishing that by myself or tackling that alone just gave me this empowering feeling of like, okay, there's some pretty cool crap out there and I can't wait to get out and do it now. So the pretty cool crap, <laughs> what was the next pretty cool crap that you found to give yourself oh. a challenge to do? Okay. So then after way too much wine one night, I was texting a friend <laughs> that had just, I had finished a couple other local trail races that were, you know, in the 25 K range or so I was like, all right. Um, uh, I kept hearing about a race in Georgia, Northern Georgia. And I was like, I'm going to do a 50 K. So I did my first 50 K mm-hmm. and, um, I was running with a girlfriend and she didn't feel well. So my husband met us on the trail to take her back to the car. And I was like, well, I'm done too. I'm just going to go ahead and come back with y'all. And they were both yelling at me like, no, 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 you have to finish. You have to finish. So I did my first 50 K and I did a couple other 50 Ks. Well, that was an epic moment too, because my husband got to talk over the microphone to cheer me on at the last half a mile. He could see me coming in. (laughs) Very cool. And then, um, I had been coveting uh, a race in Canada for three or four years. I've been watching it and coveting. I'm from the West Coast originally. So I was like, I really want to do that race. Really want to head out West and travel and do something big and scary somewhere I'd never been had been before. So on Thanksgiving morning, I put my uh, registration in for Squamish 50. Yeah. And that's an it was just such an epic vacation and trip and race experience and neat to see other trail running communities pull together and make a unique trail running experience just so special for everyone coming to visit their area it was beautiful beyond beautiful and it's so fun to run on mountain bike trails that are very runnable that was a whole nother experience compared to our area yeah we get we can get there's sections and there's races out east that are very technical and it's just so when you get into a trail where you can actually run and open up a bit it really feels good especially if you've been accustomed to a lot of things where you have to pick up your feet and go slow and watch where you're going yeah or hike the crap out of something i'm like are we done hiking yet can i actually please run (laughs) right right and you know one thing you said you're talking about these 25ks that you were doing uh such a great distance and i know a lot of times trail running and ultra running are kind of thrown together and one equals the other you don't have to run ultras to run trails 25k is such an awesome distance because you can run hard and not feel like shit for the next two days yeah yeah well unless you sign up for the 25k that goes up to grandfather mountain and back down (laughs) that race you will feel like shit for a couple of days oh my gosh my legs were thrashed (laughs) because it's straight up 
and then straight down and then you turn around and go straight back up and straight straight back down i was like my i've never felt so trashed from a race and I was not expecting that, it, but it was amazing. It was a great race and it was beautiful. And you can't beat a lot of the mountains in the Linville Gorge area heading mm-hmm. up towards Boone. Like there's just nothing like those. So you're traveling, you're racing, you're having some great experiences in the, in the trail and ultra worlds. What was, so you did, did the race in Canada and then what's next? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did finally, tackle one of my goals, which was 100K. Mm-hmm. And I have been spending the past couple of years working on my business and adventuring solo, backpacking some, and getting um, other people out to tackle the trails on their own two feet and find out the joy of being outside and experiencing new places that they never thought they could go. And so that's been my focus the past couple of years. Also, I really... I am not a good trail runner. I will be a back of the pack party pacer every day. <laughs> That's a good thing to be. Yes, it is. And I love it. And But I love crewing. I can say that that is, I love crewing and I love pacing. And so I've spent a lot of time volunteering my time and our camper van <laughs> traveling to help other runners succeed at some of the, some of their big hairy ass goals. And So I feel like that's been a sweet spot for a couple of years. We did, we spent a month in Colorado kind of just traveling around last year, just playing on new to me trails and exploring, making lists of places that we want to go back to and play. And then um, this year I'm crewing a friend at Tahoe 200. Um, And yeah, just spending some weeks in backpacking and kind of exploring that aspect a little bit too. Um, but yeah, just Help. some new a new way of fast packing, I guess you could say. A mix of fast packing and backpacking. Um, you, you, two things I want to break down in, in the massive thing that you just dropped on us. There's two really <laughs> cool things um, that I like. First of all, you're right. Crewing and pacing is so much fun. I know people like to do their races on their own. I get it. If that's your thing, if you was you against nature, that's awesome. You do you. But there is something about helping someone accomplish their goal which is almost brings you more satisfaction than doing it yourself being there to support someone to see them at their lowest moment to be able to pull them out of that to witness their day of the ups and downs and then to bring them across that finish line that is that is special and that is something that i think everybody should try to experience at least once absolutely nothing Nothing gives me more of a challenge as a coach because my heart will always be from a coach aspect than to tell someone they're not allowed to quit and then go out there on the field or wherever that is with them on the trail and help them succeed at that or sitting at the trailhead waiting for them to come in whatever mile it is and having soup and coffee and chips and soda and a chair for them to help change their socks like nothing's going to get you closer to a runner than having to change their underwear for them (laughs) (laughs) right right. now to to anyone else (laughs) following someone around and waiting for them for 
hours on oh, end. My word. And then changing their socks and popping blisters would sound uh-huh. miserable. Would sound like <laughs> like like if you just told a random person at work, like, what'd you do this weekend? Well, I've I followed my friend around the woods and I waited for hours for them to get somewhere. And then when they got there, I pulled up a chair for them and changed their socks and popped their blisters and made them eat a handful of Fritos before they 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 got out of the chair and then threw up right near my shoe, they would go, that sounds horrible. But for, <laughs> for so many of us, it's like, no, that was a that was an absolute epic weekend. Or the things that happen on your way between checkpoints and mm-hmm. like you get a flat tire or you get lost or you have no cell service, so you can't find your way around. Or right. <laughs> The things you never tell the runner until everything is done and over and we're all fine. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. I've been in situations where I've made wrong turns and I've gone, man, it, I don't see anything close to the directions only to find out that I was hours in the wrong direction and to get to an aid station like five minutes before the runner comes through. But he had no idea that we were just barely making it. Um, that's yeah. something you save for later. Something else that you said, Tara, which I thought was important and, and to break down is making you know helping others get outside and to 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 have the confidence to explore the outdoors either running slash jogging or hiking for women especially that can be there's a massive fear barrier to getting out and doing these things in these spaces by themselves how have you found you know what, what ways do you use to get people comfortable with being outdoors by themselves? One of the things I coach is to have a healthy fear. And, you know, fear is a very real and normal thing, Mm -hmm. but you can have a healthy fear of something and it paralyze. You can have a fear and it paralyze you, or you can have a healthy fear and be prepared, but still know that that adventure is still calling your name and pulling you out there. And so I try to get, I guess, I try to get especially women, like you said, but everyone to understand that, okay, it's okay to have a little bit of fear, but why not use that fear to pull you forward and allow you to explore something that you, that may not be your norm, your everyday norm. And I think that's where we tend to get caught in our own heads about playing out in the woods is okay, this is not, this is not normal because this isn't what we've been taught is the busy everyday life and the phone checking and the, you know, the email checking and the watching TV, not to say that those things, I don't do those things or that we shouldn't, but those tend to rule our life. And so it's out of the norm for a lot of people to shut down or remain silent or be in their own thoughts or step out in the woods and be in solidarity. And so coaching people to just allow themselves to be silent and get out there and okay so today we're just going to spend 15 minutes out there it doesn't have to be a big adventure but maybe that was your biggest adventure yet and maybe that's how you grow so creating a little bit of a healthy fear and planning helping them plan Mm -hmm. and then and that could be downloading uh, you know apps so that you know where you're at helping them learn how to tell people where they are where they're going and having a check-in person, having the right gear on them. Not that you have to have expensive gear because I don't believe that you need to have a car trunk load of gear in order to go out, but just some of the the necessities and basics so that if something happens, you'll know what to do to be prepared. So 
yeah, healthy fear is great, but it's okay to also use that healthy fear to push you out there and do something you never thought was possible. Safety wise, I know there's a lot of people that are concerned about safety, especially going to places like remote trails and stuff like are the creepers out in the middle of the trail and i always tell people like listen that's an awful lot of work to climb a mountain i don't i don't see pervs really wanting to do that much work to get out there but how do you convince how do you convince people that trail running is safe from a you know abduction bad things type of aspect well, self-awareness, just know aware of your environment, aware of your surroundings, being able, I always tell people too, like you, I am more afraid of running downtown than I will ever be of running in the woods. And my, I might run into maybe one or two people depending on where I go, but I'm going to run into a crap ton of people that give me the heebie-jeebies running through town. So like, let's just break that part down first. Right. And then. <laughs> I, I, there's so there's so many more uh, opportunities for something to happen running through town and then just i think their fear is being out of t- their first fear is being out of touch so that's why i always tell people to have a check in person but i think their second fear is just getting lost and so being being able to help them learn how to well i like to have have people learn how to read a map and i used to teach middle school pe or elementary and middle school pe and i made all those kids learn learn to read a map and know where you're at on the map and know how to find the trails know how to look for the trail markings what and i took them on lots of hikes around here and i think that's a an invaluable tool a paper map but also we have so many tools now on our phones so many different apps to download that it having someone learn how to use an app on their phone so they at least know where they're at because a lot of people get afraid they just don't even know where they're at (laughs) right just be prepared yeah. yeah being prepared in that simple aspect but also okay what if something happens like one day something is going to happen the more you get out and play there's going to be something that happens so now we just learn to be prepared and that could be hydration nutrition safety gear like a, a space blanket or you know an, even a knife or a fire starter something that you could um have an extra layer of clothing just s- simple things that that don't have to take a lot of money or time but just is always at in your like i, I keep it in my trunk it's in my go-to i have my trunk is full of like this expandable i show them you don't need all this gear but this is my always in my trunk. My backpack has certain things in it or my run pack has certain things in it. So each time I go out that I'm prepared in case something happens. Good advice all the way around, Tara. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Someone who has a background in the personal training and the group fitness and just the fitness avenue, what is something that you bring with you from that world into your ultra running trail running and training um well let's see i'm a huge advocate of strength training so i'm i am begging runners to get into strength training (laughs) tara's begging you i have had (laughs) guests on here every other week begging you why am i not doing it tara when you say (laughs) strength training I know it sounds very intimidating to a lot of runners, but what does that really look like to you? And what would you like to see? Every, what are you begging every runner to really do strength training wise? 
So number one, we all want to do this sport for a long period of time. I want to be 80, 85, still out on the trails kicking ass. Mm -hmm. And the only way I know that's going to happen from a longevity standpoint is to is to incorporate strength training. But the other avenue of that is, especially for women, which is my passion, is to love on the women, is to encourage them that it's going to help them through um, peri and postmenopause and beyond on top of bone density, as well as one of the things that that, you know, kind of going back to my my mission and my passion with the health and wellness field is to break away from the normal societal things that we're fed and head more in the realms of educating the right information. We are an under muscled society. We have focused on the wrong thing throughout health and wellness, and it's time we change that. And in order to do that from a longevity standpoint, we need to be strength training and, and every runner should be adding it in some way, shape or form. And, you know, I've, I've listened to some other podcasts of other endurance coaches that encourage strength training. And while I agree that you can do this at home with a few, you know, few sets of dumbbells, and that's great and amazing, especially when you're in your peak mileage, I still firmly believe that in your off season, in my opinion, all every all year long, you should be lifting heavy at least two times a week. Oh, in the more- <laughs> nobody wants to hear that Shit. as a runner. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> and and you know we we as runners put our bodies through a lot. We break down a lot. And what what's going to happen long term wise from when we increase lean muscle mass and add strength training in, we're setting ourselves up for better cognitive function. So that means that we are uh, decreasing our chances of um, uh, the insulin resistance type three. Uh, Alzheimer's Mm -hmm. is being considered our type three diabetes. And we, and so the more muscle you have, the more you're apt to delay that or offset that or, um, and there's, there's, there's more and more studies coming out about that. So that's another thing from uh, ultimately the more muscle we have, the longer we're going to live, the more aware we're going to be, the stronger our muscles will be, the stronger our bone density will be and the healthier we're going to be. And so, I i mean, I don't know about you, but I want to be strong, badass and kicking ass at 85. And then and I firmly believe strength training is where it's going to be. All right. How many people do I have to have on this damn podcast telling you to, to lift <laughs> weights where you're going to go and lift some weights? I have to do it myself. I'm pointing at myself, everybody. Yeah. Well, when I say that, so lifting heavy at least twice a week is something yeah. that people need to incorporate. Are you talking just leg stuff like squats and deadlifts? Or are you talking like bench press and all that kind of stuff? Bench press is one of them. So leg stuff is important. I know a lot of runners don't want their legs to be sore, but um, your body, as you incorporate it in a, in a, in a, what I say, common sense way, as you incorporate heavy lifting into your training, your body will adapt and then it won't be such a shock. So yes, when you add something new, it's going to be a shock to your body. It's kind of going to be one of those things that when we first start running and your legs are like, what the hell are you doing? Strength training is going to be the same way. When we start to incorporate something new, it's going to take some time to adjust. So you might have, you might want to add that in if it's new to your regimen in a gradual process during a a phase that you're not trying to train for a race. Mm -hmm. And for some people that's challenging because they're always training for a race. 
Um, that's a whole nother subject that I have an issue with. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when we when we add something new, it's going to take a little bit of adjustment period. And then at some point, all the, the two can meld together in a, in a great way. You can lift heavy and run long. All right. And it seems like you have something you want to say about always training for races. So I'm not going to stop you from going there, Tara. You just roll with it. Well, I, I'm a I'm a big advocate that I want you to chase your big hairy ass goals, but I also want you to be smart from a we are we as ultra athletes tend to overtrain. And you know, some of it can come from that competitive mindset, some of it can come from a co- coaching over tr- putting too much on their training programs and and my my like i said my i'm specifically specifically speaking a lot for women too is we tend to over program women and women don't need to train as intensely as men there's a whole nother um podcast for that but i think that you're that what we tend to do as ultra athletes is always go for the next race or we feel like we have to do one every month or we have to take on the next distance and really you we need to give our bodies time to recover so that we can tackle the next goal with 100 percent of not only mind focus but body focus and be all in it and we're just we're we're And I feel like 2020 has helped with some of this. Mm -hmm. Like it's pulled us back a little bit um, and given us some reality checks of like, oh, well, maybe I don't have to do six 100s a a year. And not to say that that's not like there are athletes that have that ability, but the everyday athlete is not necessarily built to do that um, six times a year and shouldn't be. So, yeah, I think we're just we tend to head we we've had we are finally pulling back thankfully and looking at things a little bit more from a longevity standpoint to not always be training for the next biggest or or badass thing and that's okay and I want people to feel that that's that's okay not to always be chasing that. Tara, you're spitting fire. You are you are you are speaking some truths, inspiring people. That was a, a heck of a lot. Tara, thank you so much for, for not only talking about the film festival. And again, everybody go to Ultra Sign Up and get those tickets uh, for the film festival in Asheville. But sharing your story and your thoughts on trail and all training. This has been a hell of a ride. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. And I hope to see all of you there at the Trail Running Film Festival. We have a great intermission of local everyday athletes sharing their story and some really cool, inspiring from FKT uh accomplishments to trail maintenance accomplishments to the ultra athlete talking about their journey of western states uh (laughs) so we have some really cool exciting things happening during the intermission as well as all of our amazing sponsors we're so grateful for including you thank you for having us here it's great to have you on it was so great talking to you we'll have to have you on again yes yes All right, ultrasignup.com to go get those tickets for the Trail Running Film Festival in Asheville, North Carolina, March 15th. You can find those on ultrasignup.com. And again, you can find the Grind on the Grid Backyard Ultra. That's April 15th, Petersburg, Indiana. We will be there, and we hope you can jog some miles with us out there. That is on ultrasignup as well. Theadventurejogger.com. If you want to listen to some back episodes, get caught up. They're all there waiting for you. We'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast again. 
We are 100% listener supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search The Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com. Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. 